You're listening to the Earn That Body Podcast, episode number 188. Welcome to the Earn That Body Show with Kim Eagle. Kim is an award-winning personal trainer. She trains her clients all over the world online and is passionate about empowering people by getting fit and healthy. Hey everyone, this is Kim Eagle with the Earn That Body podcast. I hope you're doing great. I hope you are ready for a great week ahead. I always launch the podcast on a Monday to give you some fitness, health, nutrition inspiration for the week to make sure you are set up for a great week ahead. Now, a lot of my clients always ask me, well, I know I shouldn't have too much sugar, but can I have stevia? So I decided it's time to do the Stevia podcast episode because in order for me to tell you yes or no on Stevia, I do want you to know a few things about it. But before we get started, I also want to tell you that if you are struggling with your weight right now or you did put on the COVID-15, my newly revamped five-week Earn That Body program is crushing it. People are doing amazing. I think it's more successful than the 10-week program was because it's a shorter period program. And I went ahead and revamped it because a lot of people, especially right now with all that's going on, they needed something shorter. And a five-week program seems like you can do it. You can go all out. But a 10-week program can be daunting for some people. And I have to tell you, the results so far for people who have now finished the five-week program, they're moving into phase two, which is a three-week program. They're then moving into phase three, which is another three weeks. All of these shortened programs are helping people get even better success than they were having before. So I just wanted to let you know, if you're interested, you can shoot me an email, kimitternetbody.com. The programs are no longer done as a group. They are done privately as an individual because that's allowing me to start new clients every Monday. Now, that being said, I can only take a certain amount of private clients at a time. So I am already sold out for the next couple weeks, but um, there are some openings that still are, are sort of here in June, but definitely for July. Just if you're interested and you feel like you're ready to take action on your health and do it the right way, let's get you registered. Let's at least get you the information because it is my goal, my quest, uh, my everything is about helping people get fit and healthy in a sustainable way. So I definitely want to help people out all summer long because it's not a normal summer. People are home more, they're not doing all the travel, and the more you're home, that's the best time that I can help you with your weight loss. Okay, now we're getting right into it. Let's get started with Eagle's Eye on Health. And now, it's time for the Eagle's Eye on Health. These are Kim's quick tips, latest health news, or piece of weekly inspiration. Today in Eagle's Eye on Health, I'm giving you an information article called Can Exercise Prevent Depression? And that comes from Idea Fitness Magazine. New research is showing that exercise is helping with depression. I don't think that's any big uh, news to you. It's certainly no big news to me, but it's interesting to see that they are still doing the research on this. 
Now they're saying that 15 minutes of vigorous activity or approximately one hour of moderate activity, for instance, walking or gardening, or perhaps a combination of light and vigorous physical activity, those things may significantly reduce the risk of major depression, according to a study published in JAMA Psychiatry. Now, researchers from Harvard University and members of the Major Depressive Disorder Working Group of the Psychiatric Genomics Consortium conducted the study using Mendelian randomization, a form of analysis that relies on genetic evidence. Genome data came from large-scale genome-wide association studies with a combined sample size of over 611,000 male and female adults. As you can see, that's a large group. That's what you want when you're looking at research. You don't want 10 people to be determining a research situation. Now, using genetic data, they found evidence that higher levels of physical activity may casually reduce risk for depression. Knowing whether an associated factor actually causes an outcome is important because we want to invest in preventative strategies that really work, according to the lead study author, Carmel Coy, PhD of the Psychiatric and Neurodevelopmental Genetics Unit. Now, they add it. And of course, it's one thing to know that physical activity could be beneficial for preventing depression. It's another to actually get people to be physically active. And more work needs to be done to figure out how best to tailor recommendations to different kinds of people with different risk profiles. Now, overall, all I want you to get out of this today, everyone, keep working out. It helps your mental state so much it definitely helps with depression. Um, of course, if something, if depression is something that you already currently battle, hopefully you are seeking counseling, getting help for it. But I know personally, I wouldn't say I suffer from depression, but I tend to be more of that person who like, you know, I feel like you either sway one way or another. And a lot of people are like, you're always so positive. I don't believe that. I, I, I try to be positive for all of you all the time, of course, but sometimes I feel like I'm, again, I'm not saying I'm depressed, but I'm more of that person who can tend that way but I don't feel that way that often because I swear the exercise helps me so much. So perhaps I was more like that, I should say, uh, growing up, but as an adult, I don't feel it as much, and I'm certain that the exercise is a function of that. So keep working out, keep moving, because I do think it helps your mental perspective, especially in these difficult times that we talked about last week. All right, let's talk about stevia because everybody's always asking me, well, I shouldn't eat sugar. Can I have stevia? How much stevia? All that good stuff. Well, most of this uh, comes from the UC Berkeley Health and Wellness um, article that I researched a lot to try to find the most up-to-date information about stevia. And UC Berkeley is always a great go-to for this kind of thing. Now, what they said is it's been 11 years since the FDA granted GRAS, G-R-A-S, which stands for Generally Recognized as Safe. That's the status, G-R-A-S status that they gave to purified extracts of the stevia plant, clearing the way for stevia to be marketed as a calorie-free sweetener. 
Well, since then, stevia has become a widely used ingredient in a variety of diets, sugar-free diets, reduced sugar foods, beverages. Uh, these things could include dairy products, cereal, candy, chewing gum, soft drinks, flavored waters. It's also sold in individual packets, as you probably know. Uh, it will be sold under brand names like Truvia, Purevia, Sweetleaf, and in larger containers for use in home cooking, uh, you'll see it as well for a lot of baking goods. Now, stevia may be listed on product labels as stevia leaf extract. You might see it as Rebiana, uh, steviocide. I can't even pronounce this one. Rebodioside? <laughs> can't even pronounce this stuff. Uh, among other terms, but generally you will see stevia leaf extract. Well, now, is it all natural? Because that's what everyone says. Well, isn't stevia natural? Well, even according to Harvard, um, I'm sorry, even according to Berkeley, they say not exactly. So the stevia plant is a South American shrub in the aster family, and it has long, long, long been used as a sweetener in history. The indigenous people of Paraguay, apparently, have used it used the crushed leaves for centuries to sweeten their herbal teas and even medicinal potions. The high purity extracts of stevia are different from whole leaf stevia or crude extracts of the herb, which are classified as a dietary supplement, not a sweetener and they can have a notably bitter aftertaste. A lot of people, I personally, do not like stevia. There is a very bitter aftertaste. Now the purified extracts are made by steeping the leaves of the plant to remove the sweet compounds called steviol glycosides, which are 250 to 300 times sweeter than table sugar. I mean, that's really a lot sweeter. <laughs> 250 to 300 times, that's a lot. Now marketers tout stevia as a natural alternative to artificial sweeteners like saccharin and aspartame. And it's true that it, it is derived from a substance found in nature rather than a synthetic chemical, but the stevia sold commercially is as highly processed as other sugar substitutes. They even said Truvia and Purevia were developed just so you know, by Coca-Cola and PepsiCo. Um, and the companies were instrumental in securing that GRAS, that gross status in foods and beverages. And it's worth noting that stevia packets contain only a little stevia extract, which is so intensely sweet that it wouldn't be practical to sell it by itself in single-use packets. Guess what? What you're actually getting is stevia combined with a bulkier carrier agent. Isn't that funny? The, what they're basically saying is the amount of stevia they need is so tiny that if they put it in a packet, you would barely see anything in the packet. So they actually have to combine it with a carrier agent. So Truvia, for example, they mix stevia leaf extract with erythritol, which is a sugar alcohol, which I usually tell you all, all the time. Erythritol is a no-no. It's basically, you know, an artificial sweetener, but it's a sugar alcohol. It generally will bloat you and give you gas as well. So erythritol is not my favorite pick at all. I don't eat anything that has erythritol in it. 
Purvia lists dextrose, which is a form of glucose usually derived from corn, as its first ingredient, then followed by stevia. And both Truvia and Purvia also list natural flavorings are added. So as you can see, it's processed. It's not, it's not natural, basically, right? But is it safe? Prior to the 2008 uh, research that had been done, stevia was banned as a sweetener by the FDA based on early toxicity studies in rats. Generally, those used whole leaf stevia or crude extracts, which suggested that it might cause reproductive problems. But since then, they have done animal studies using purified extracts and have largely failed to find those or other adverse effects. Now, stevia was used as a food additive in Japan, Brazil, and China for years before we got clearance for it in the United States. Um, numerous regulatory agencies around the world, including the European Food Safety Authority, Health Canada, Food Standards for Australia, New Zealand, um, all of those had a collaboration between the UN's Food and Agriculture Organization and have affirmed the safety of this high purity stevia extract, and they approve it for use in food. Now, the Center for Science in the Public Interest, a nonprofit consumer advocacy group, considers stevia leaf extract to be safe in foods and beverages after initially opposing its marketing in 2008 on the grounds that it hadn't yet been adequately tested for cancer risk. The group still calls for more testing to further establish stevia safety. Now, CSPI, that Center for Science and Public Interest, they, they continue to warn customers to avoid other sugar substitutes like um, the aspartame, the saccharin, the sucralose. But they are saying that right now stevia is sort of okay to be used. Now, are there risks? Are there side effects? Well, according to the FDA, the acceptable daily intake for stevia glycoside is four milligrams per kilogram of body weight. When used as a sweetener or to flavor foods, experts do not consider highly purified stevia to cause any adverse side effects. And while studies have identified potential side effects of stevia over the last few decades, most were done using lab animals and many have since been disproven. So it does seem like it would be okay. I mean, basically what they're saying is all the recent research hasn't really found anything terrible, basically. Um, and so they're saying it is okay. Now, are there still some potential side effects linked with stevia consumption? Yes, some. Um, stevia is considered to be a diuretic, which basically just means that it increases the speed at which the body expels water and electrolytes from the body. Because the kidney is responsible for filtering and creating urine, researchers initially thought long-term consumption of stevia might damage the organ. But more recent studies concluded that stevia may help prevent kidney damage. So apparently kidney damage is out. That's not a concern for them anymore. At one point, there were gastrointestinal symptoms they were concerned about. Some stevia products contain added sugar alcohols, as I just said, and that can give you very unpleasant symptoms. Um, 
but hypersensitivity to a sugar alcohol with the stevia component, that might give you nausea and vomiting and indigestion, cramping, bloating. Those are pretty extreme cases, just so you know. Mostly a sugar alcohol, it's gonna give you bloating and cramping and it's just a terrible feeling. But several studies using rodents and human cell cultures have demonstrated the potential gastrointestinal benefits of steviol glycosides. Stevia use has been shown to help limit and reduce diarrhea and symptoms of IBS. So again, there were concerns once, and now some studies are showing that it may help these things. Some people even think um, there could be allergic reactions, according to a 2015, which is now five years ago, a 2015 review. There are very few reported cases of stevia allergy at that point. Some people say hypoglycemia or low blood sugar is a concern. Now, although stevia may help control blood sugar in people with diabetes, it was once thought that long-term or heavy stevia consumption might cause hypoglycemia, which is low blood sugar. Again, this has since been proven highly unlikely. So what you're seeing and what I'm telling you is all the concerns that they had at one point seem to have been proven that they no longer feel that way now, right? But they do say this, some people are at an increased risk of developing side effects with regular stevia use. And this is because stevia can actually lower blood sugar and that means it could also lower blood pressure because as I said, it can be a diuretic. So stevia can also interact with medications. And so it's just important to discuss even something like stevia with your doctor if you're taking other medications because factors that could increase the risk of stevia side effects would be things like blood pressure conditions and blood pressure medications. If you have a liver condition and you take liver medications, if you have a kidney condition and take kidney medications, heart conditions with heart medications, even hormone regulating medications, steroids and cancer medications, they have some concern there could be interaction with stevia and you would probably never think to ask your doctor that. And sadly, my guess is if you asked your doctor, your doctor wouldn't even know. Uh, I don't think it's something that's being discussed highly, but it's something that you need to know. It's something that if you're on medication, you should be proactive right now to do as much research as you can to see would stevia be contraindicated with this medication? Could it have a problem with this medication if you're feeling any symptoms, of course, as well? Or if sometimes you take stevia and you don't feel good after, that would be something that you would want to know as well. Now, increasingly, Stevia supplements and extracts are being found to contain counterfeit ingredients, and that's really upsetting in a whole different a whole different way, but there's a lot of stevia supplements out there that have counterfeit ingredients, and primarily they're artificial sweeteners that are linked to health risks, right? So it's really important to buy products that are certified to contain at least 95% steviol glycoside, so it should actually say that and they should not contain artificial or synthetic sweeteners. Common, and this is so sad, common harmful chemicals found in stevia products include maltodextrin, sodium saccharin, sodium cyclamate, and aspartame. I mean, why even 
put the stevia in with aspartame. Aspartame is an absolute, what I call a no-no, artificial sweetener. And if they're adding stevia with aspartame, first of all, how sweet does the thing need to be? I can't even imagine what that tastes like. Um, but a lot of stevia products are mixed with these other ingredients. So you really do have to be careful. Now, when I read that, I was like, hmm. And so I did a, a quick Google search. I personally won't eat stevia, and I'll get to that in a minute. But I did a quick Google search, Whole Foods Stevia, to see which stevia brand and, and what stevia that they have listed uh, that they sell, right? They carry something called New Naturals. It's a stevia that's by a company called New Naturals, N-U. And I looked at the ingredients because I wanted to see, is it pure stevia? What's it going to say? And it has maltodextrin added to it. So again, you've got to be careful with what is in your supplement. I consider stevia to be like a supplement. And if they're adding artificial sweeteners to it, for sure it's a no-no. But make sure if you're taking stevia that even that you have to read the label for, right? So what's the bottom line? What am I telling you? Can you have it? Can you not have it? <sighs> well, stevia is widely considered to be safe right now. Uh, when it's used as a sweetener and no health concerns have been raised in the last 10 years in wide circulation in the United States. But as with any sugar substitute, they say it's not wise to go overboard. It's one thing to use a packet or two in your coffee or your tea or to eat an occasional, they say, sugar-free treat. You know how much I do not like sugar-free. But if it's, if it's sweetened with aspartame once in a while, it sounds like it's not going to harm you. And after all, many products containing stevia or other sugar substitutes they are highly processed though. So you just have to remember that a lot of junk foods could be containing stevia. And if you think that it's healthy because it's stevia, not sugar, it's still junk food that they put a lot of stevia in, right? Stevia is a sweetener. So they're going to be putting it in things that are super sweet and those super sweet, sweet things tend to be junk food, soft drinks, candy, ice cream, right? Things that aren't good for you in the first place. It doesn't make it good for you just because it has stevia and not sugar in it now, right? It may be, I don't think it's better than sugar. I'm never going to say, well, it's better than having sugar because I don't think that sugar is the devil. But that is something else you want to note that just because it has stevia doesn't make it healthy or better for you as well. Um, sugar substitutes are not found in healthy whole foods, right? Healthy whole foods, healthy real foods like whole grains and legumes and fresh fruit and vegetables, those are the foods you want to make up your diet, not the processed, I hate to call it crap, that then they put stevia instead of sugar and they can tell you it doesn't have sugar or it has low sugar and you think, well, that's a healthy option. It's not. So where do I stand? Well, I don't eat stevia because I have this gut feeling. Okay, now this is a complete 100% opinion and gut feeling. It comes from no research because as you just heard, I just read you the research and the research is saying they aren't really finding anything wrong with it, but I feel like they haven't found anything wrong with it yet. I feel like it could be long-term research that comes out. And my biggest fear is eating too much stevia and finding out in five years that in fact it does cause X, whatever it's going to cause it sometime. Again, personal, personal opinion, gut feeling. 
based on no research. So that's just me being maybe a little bit crazy. I don't like stevia because I know that I can eat real sugar in moderation and be okay. The reason that I don't think sugar is the devil is because sugar is not the devil. It's the amount of sugar that people eat that they consider what's called the devil or bad for you. Yes, you have to watch how much sugar you eat, but I would always rather put a little bit of real sugar in a product I'm eating versus stevia and I will never use an artificial sweetener because those are known to have harmful effects on your body. So I personally don't use it. If you're gonna use it, I just say just like everything, use it minimally, use it in moderation. Don't be afraid to swap it out for real sugar, just having a small amounts of real sugar. Um, but just simply don't be confused when you look at a box and it says it has one gram of sugar and you think, well, that's awesome. It has no sugar. I mean, that's, that's basically healthy. Mm. If stevia is in it, you know, it's somewhat processed. And if you're adding stevia to your coffee, to your tea, you're buying an actual stevia, please make sure that you read the label because there's likely other ingredients with it. So stevia is going to be up to you, team. You're going to have to make your own decision on what's good for you. As I've shown you right now, research, I can't find anything terrible with it, but they definitely say have it in moderation. And that's it for today, team. I uh, hope you have a sweet week. <laughs> I hope it's great. I hope it's healthy. I hope you're safe. And don't forget, if you have any questions about the Earn That Body programs, you can always email me directly, Kim at earnthatbody.com. And hey, if you have a moment, would you take your phone? You're probably listening to this podcast on your phone. If you haven't given the Earn That Body podcast a rating or review, will you go to your podcast app right now? Give me a quick rating and review. This is an ad-free podcast and always will be. So the best way to thank me for that, for not giving you annoying ads and sponsorships, is to give me a rating and review. The more I get, the more people we can reach so I can help spread health forward, pay health forward, and keep bringing you health, fitness, and nutrition information that you can all put into play right away. For more information about Kim Eagle's online programs, go to earnthatbody.com or check out Earn That Body on all forms of social media, including Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, and YouTube.